Another day Another dollar Makes you wonder where your money went You can scream Hi folks, this is Jack Spirko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't, dictate it as almost always the case during my 50-mile commute between Arlington and Frisco, Texas. Today is Thursday, July 23rd, 2009. This should be episode 242, if my memory serves me correct, and if it doesn't, I apologize. Uh, once again, I want to say, especially with a little bit of a change I'm going to throw you today, today, uh, or all, all my shows are one man's opinion. You are uh, invited even to disagree with me. I may disagree with you back. Doesn't mean that your opinion is not heard. This is not bias talk radio. This is one man telling you the way he sees things and trying to help you figure out how to live a better life. Times get tough, or even if they don't, once in a while we throw in a little bit of politics because, let's face it, what the those clowns do in Washington, and what those clowns do for me in Austin or at your state capitol, they, that affects us. And uh, it affects our, our needs to prepare. It affects a lot of things. And it affects the way that the other people react around us. And that's going to be, in a disaster, a huge part of the disaster. Most disasters, folks, are not about the disaster. They're about the response to the disaster. And often the humic knee-jerk panic response is what makes the disaster into a real disaster rather than an event that people need to take corrective action for. So that's why we're going to, I'm going to maybe start doing this. Here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to tell you the subject of today's show, and then I'm going to, uh, instead of doing my housekeeping right away, I'm going to give you a little mini political story, and in the future this might be about economics, and some days I might not have anything, so I won't have it. But I've been told sometimes that the, 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 the housekeeping takes too long in the beginning, and uh, maybe if I break it up a little bit. So we give it a shot, see how it works out. I listen to your feedback. So today's show is going to be about overlooked preps. I know I said I was going to do more on fall gardening. I just wasn't into it. It's been a tough week. And I, I just, you know, I started thinking about this, and I got a little bit excited about bringing some stuff to you maybe you haven't thought of. And uh, I need to be excited this week, so that's what we're going to do. For those of you who don't know, the reason it's been a rough week is I lost my dog, Lakota, on Tuesday after more than a decade of caring for him. Uh, we brought him into our home as an adult. Uh, he was a beautiful animal. He was a special animal, just like everybody's dog is special, but this one was my special animal, and I had to take him to the vet and have him put down Tuesday morning. And uh, I did a post about it Tuesday, and what I just did last night is I added a little picture of him. So if you'd like to see what Lakota looked like, especially when this picture's from when he was still in his prime, go have a look. It'll be probably the third post down by the time that you hear this, uh, but it'll be at the survivalpodcast.com. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about today, overlooked preps, uh, things that we just don't think about that are simple that should be in our homes, that should be in our bug out kits, should be in our vehicles, wherever they should be, or th- steps that we should take and be prepared for. Before that, though, and before the housekeeping, let's talk about our chief ass clown. Our chief ass clown being the President of the United States. That's what I call him. If it offends you, I'm sorry. You have the ability right now to shut me off and not listen further. Before you do, understand, if you like Barack Obama and you don't like me calling him an ass clown, right up until he got elected and took over, I was calling George Bush an ass clown. I don't like any of these people and what they're doing to our country, and I think that our leadership needs to be 100% turned over on both sides of the aisle, and I'm fed up with them all. So maybe that makes it a little easier. And if you do like Barack... Kind of surprising, but we have quite a few people here that like him. 
if you do like Barack, I'm going to give the best and the worst of the ass clown in the last two weeks. Best of the ass clown. Let's start out with what he did right. The ass clown went in front of the NAACP about a week ago. And his message to the black community was no more excuses. That not every child's going to be a rapper or a basketball player. That we need to worry about educating our children and black America needs to correct its own problems. And stop blaming somebody else. I'm standing before you as an African American president of your nation. There are no more excuses. And my God, I was saying that before he got elected. That that's what I wanted him to symbolize. No more excuses. I believe everybody has an opportunity in this country. There's racist pigs out there. I don't like them. All right, I've had racist pigs show up in my forum, and I kicked them out, even though they didn't say anything racist, because I tracked them back to a racist forum. And as soon as I found out who they were, they were gone. So I, I abhor racism. But I also abhor reverse racism, where you use your race as an excuse. So congratulations. Well done, Barack Obama. And now the other side of the shoe. He goes and helps play the victim card. Last night, the ass clown came out and told us that this trillion-dollar health care proposal won't cost us any money if the money's already there, which is out now lie. Even on paper and honestly, one third of the money they can't come up with. Now, the other thing is, part of this money was you know, tax increases, right? Since they're raising taxes, it'll fit, the money will be there. Well, listen, ass clown, when you raise taxes, rich people figure out how not to freaking pay them. They take their income sources, they move them offshore. They create additional tax shelters. They don't just pay. And you're basing your projections on the income they earned a year ago, and no one's earning the money that they earned a year ago at these upper levels. They're earning less money, so even when you take more of it, you're getting less. But is that why I'm calling him an ass clown for last night? No. No, no, no. It was a news report I saw this morning because I couldn't listen to him last night. I could not listen to the ass clown last night. So I turned the news on this morning. And it turns out that a guy that he knows, a friend of his or something like that, locked himself out of his own house. He was a black guy. Goes to his own house, can't get in the house. Him and a friend kick the door in. They get into the house. A neighbor sees two people kick a door in. Calls the police and says, hey, I don't know what's going on over here. I just saw somebody kick a door in. So the police send out... A couple officers, they get to the house and they talk to the guy. All I've heard so far on the news is he was uncooperative and he ended up being arrested. And then I did hear even after proof was given of his identity. But the uncooperative thing happened first. Now here is my best, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but this is my best guess of what happens. Guy kicks in his own door, no problem, it's his house, he can his door down if he wants to. Officers show up, they go to the door, they say, hey, what's going on here? We have a report of a break-in. This guy says, I'm Mr. So-and-so, this is my house, I live here, I locked myself out, I just needed to get in. Uh, so I, I, I pushed my own door in. And the officers, I know this is what happened, this is what anybody with freaking gray matter between their ears would have done, would have said, Mr. So-and-so, that's fine, can I see some ID? And uncooperative means he declined to show ID. And by the time they went through all the crap with him to get him to show, show ID, they were fed up with him and they found a reason to take him to jail. And tough shit, that's what happens when you're a jackass to the police. How easy would it be for me to go to your house, kick your door, and when the cops show up, go, hey man, I live here. I just locked myself out. If I refuse to show ID, they should haul my ass to jail because I might be lying and stealing your stuff. So the ass clown, apparently last night, part of his remarks, threw down the gauntlet against our law enforcement community and said this is what black Americans and people of color across America have to deal with all the time, or something to that effect.
What a freaking ass clown. So there you go. I don't know if that uh, was worth your seven minutes of your time, but that's what our ass clown's doing right and wrong. Let's go into our housekeeping. Number one, advertiser of the day, tactical response gear, James Jager's outfit. Absolutely uh, great deals, great equipment, good supporter of the show. And on the training side, some of the best training you will find as a civilian anywhere in the world in tactical maneuvering, tactical shooting, you name it. They will teach you how to defend yourself. Check them out. Remember, our advertisers are vetted by our moderators. We have about 30 moderators now on the forum. If two or more tell me an advertiser should not be accepted, I don't care if they have a chicken hand, I do not take their money. They are vetted, and they are 100% personal endorsement by me. Uh, next thing, please consider joining our forum. I'll leave it at that today. Next one, Region 6. Region 6 is having a get-together, I think in August. Shannon Appleby's kind of heading that thing up. Get in touch with him if you're interested in going, uh, if you're anywhere in the Iowa area. Now, you can go there from Timbuktu if you want to, but it's a, it's going to be in Iowa, so consider that. Um, next, I have gotten quite a few blog posts. I want you guys to send me blog posts to read on the air to know there wasn't one that I'm not going to read. Every single one's going to get read. Just haven't had the ability to get it done this week due to certain circumstances. Circumstances. Next, if you think these shows are worth more than 20 cents an episode, consider joining the Member Support Brigade, and you'll get exclusive content available only to members. Additionally, um, you will uh, help support this show. Uh, Reese, the next thing I want to tell you real quick before we move on, uh, on that note, I did a show... Uh, with uh, Christy, Christy Sajikowski, I think is how you say her last name. Um, I've never heard her say her own name, so I can't get it right, I guess. But Christy's awesome. She has a show called Truth Brigade. It was a two-hour-long radio show. I did it. There is an archive available now. You can listen to it. That happened Monday night. Um, I told you Monday was going to be Wednesday because I screwed that up. Christy didn't make the screw up. I did. Uh, so if you want to hear that show with me and Christy, which was an awesome show, have a listen to it. And since it's an archive, you'll be able to fast through, forward through their commercials. Why do I bring that up? Because wait till you hear how many commercials a typical uh, online radio show has. And you'll understand how cool it is that listeners support my show, and in that show, you will hear me tell you what my my revenue model is, how much comes from listeners, and how much comes from advertisers, and why it always will be that way. If you're interested, check the whole show out, and you'll hear it in there. Alright, let's get on to today's main topic. And today's main topic is things that we overlook as preppers. And what I want you to understand, I don't want you to get upset today when you're like, oh man, he, he didn't say like these things that are like so obvious that everybody should have. Because that's not what today's about, folks. Today's not about the obvious. It's about the things that you know you think you're prepared and you don't have, or you don't have in quantity, or you have them, but you haven't really made them part of your preps or part of your plan. Things like that. Now, some of you are going to go, oh, I have that, I have that, I have good for you. But I'm going to tell you, if you listen to it, there's going to be something in here that you don't have that could be very important and even a very minor situation. Um, number one, this is the one that I think most of America has forgotten. And I don't mean just preppers. I mean everybody. I bet you have a cordless phone if you have a landline at your house. And if the power goes off, your cordless phone will not work because it runs on electricity. And if we have a cellular network failure and a power outage at the same time, um, you won't have any phone. And if you have a long-term blackout and your cell phone's dead, um, you won't have any phone. But the beauty of the phone system, the landline-based phone system in America, the bell system, as it were, is that it doesn't run on the electrical grid. It runs on 
negative 48 volt. Ne- I said negative 48 volt VDC uh, direct current. And the phone companies are self-sufficient in their ability to provide power for a very long time after the grid goes down. So if you have a plain old $9 cheapo Walmart phone that plugs directly into a phone jack, even if you don't keep it plugged in, if you put it away and you just have it there in case it's necessary, uh, odds are, unless the phone lines are blown down from an ice storm or wind or something like that, even in a long-term power outage, you will have a method of communication with your landline phone. So that was something I thought that maybe you might want to invest 9 bucks in if you don't have one. Now, if you've decided, like many Americans, I don't need a landline anymore, and you use IP phone or just your cell phone, I understand. My point is, as long as there's a phone line running to your house, maybe 9 bucks in a plastic, cheapo Walmart phone that doesn't need electricity to run would be a good investment. Um, the next one is, I think a lot of people are bad about making sure that they have a fully updated contact list printed out or photocopied to multiple, multiple locations. Most people do have an address book or something like that with all their contact data that's in there and things like that. And that's fine. But make sure you have that information in all your vehicles. If you need to secure it in some way, if you want to put it in a little uh, in-vehicle safe or, you know, put it in one of the, like, the old bank bags and put a lock on it or whatever because you're worried about somebody getting your phone list, I understand, I, I guess. But make sure it's available to you. Keep it at the office. Don't rely on your cell phone, your BlackBerry, etc. for numbers that you may need to call. And these include, you know, your friends, your family, and things like that. But they also include things like, you know, do you know the front desk number to your office or do you just know your own desk phone or do you not even know that? How many people don't know how to call work without their BlackBerry or their cell phone? Uh, if you can't get to work, maybe Maybe it would be a good idea to, even if no one else is coming, leave a message, cover your ass. I don't know. Um, all the emergency numbers for your area. I would have, if you, one of the things you might want to think about, do you have older family members that are in other cities? You might want the emergency numbers for their area so that you can call and make arrangements for them if you get wind that something's gone wrong. Maybe it is you've called your mother you know, 15, 7 times and not heard back from her. And you don't have anybody in the area you can reach to go check her out, and you need to call somebody to do that. It might be a good idea to have, like, the local police department or fire department's phone number where elderly parents are. Just saying. Um, another one I think people overlook is we're real big in alternative energy in this world, and we think about, you know, solar energy and wind energy and everything else like that. Most people don't think about the fact you have a giant electrical generation machine uh, in most uh, of America. You have at least two of them sitting in your garage or your driveway. They're called automobiles. And there's a little 12-volt battery in there and a little generator. And every time you drive down the road, um, that battery is used to start your vehicle up, and then a little generator keeps making sure that battery's charged. Well, if you'll go out and you'll spend about 30 to 40 bucks, you can get your a nice little AC inverter. It's not going to be a very powerful one for that price. Uh, but you can only run so much off a vehicle anyway. But it will charge laptops, cell phones, radios, uh, give you a, you know one or two outlets of AC power for low draw stuff. Probably a good idea to have something like that. And with that, folks, if you buy yourself a good little battery recharger and uh, keep yourself one or two deep cycle batteries around and a little uh, 12 VDC adapter to your AC adapter, uh, just keeping one or two deep cycle batteries charged up from time to time with your grid will give you some level of backup power in a very low-tech way, something you might want to consider. Uh, insurance, I think, gets overlooked. Uh, we've talked about life insurance a lot on the show. You know, basic term life to cover your death. I think most people that are 
the preparedness mindset are willing to go out and do that. But one thing that I think a lot of Americans are without that they really need, they should look at getting is flood insurance. Do you know how many people's homes were destroyed in Hurricane Katrina and the insurance companies went, yeah, we're not paying for that. And they went, what, what do you mean you got paid? I got homeowners, I got disaster, I got fire, I got... And they went, you know, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't wind that destroyed your home, sir. It was flood, and we did not insure you for flood. Whoever you got in flood insurance from, that's who, you, who needs to cover this. And you went, but I don't have flood insurance. And they went, aha, you don't have flood insurance. And they didn't get their repairs paid for, or they had to fight a long time. Because in many instances, uh, they could make a compelling case that it wasn't just flooding that caused the damage. But, of course, the insurance companies were nearly broken by Hurricane Katrina. So I'm just saying, unless you live on top of a hill... Uh, with all sides pointing down and, and a significant rise, you might want to consider flood insurance. It's something that you really may want to look into. Because remember, everything we do here is about disaster probability. And your home being damaged by a storm or a flood is a hell of a lot more likely than a complete breakdown of society due to a meteor impact or a solar flare or a nuclear attack or any of the other Hollywood scenarios that are possible, yes, but very low in probability. So consider simple things like that. Um, The next one is... Think about having in your contact list, in addition to your, you know, your friends, your family, and emergency responders, and anybody maybe you have agreements with that you're gonna, you're gonna kind of band together. You know, the community outreach that you're doing, hopefully, into the survivalist community and finding the other like-minded people. Um, how about let's be a little bit more practical. Maybe it's a good idea to have in your list a whole group of local suppliers, and maybe if you have a bug out location, maybe local suppliers at the bug out location, or let's say that uh, maybe you're going to go hang out with Uncle Tom if stuff goes wrong, and Uncle Tom's not really a prepper, but he said, yeah, whatever, he'd humor you, come on over if you need to, and uh, maybe you need to have stuff there for him, but just simple repair services and 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 all types of services. I'm talking about things like roofing, tool rental, plumbers, tree surgeons, uh, tree removal people, uh, electrical uh, electricians, uh, auto towing and repair numbers. Hey, get a AAA card. I just showed you that that's valuable. But that type of stuff. And I know what some of you guys are thinking. Tree removal? I have a steel chainsaw. I, I'm prepared. If a tree falls on my, my yard, I'm taking it out myself. I'm going to be the guy out there in the street helping other people clear their lawn. Yeah, what if you get hurt? What if in a storm that's bad enough to drop a giant tree in your yard or on your car or whatever, it's also bad enough to injure you to the point where you can't perform that service? And you big tough guys, are you going to send your wife out there with a steel chainsaw? I mean... Some women, I don't want to come off the wrong way. You guys can, my wife can run a chainsaw, all right? But I I really wouldn't want her out in a dangerous situation with it. She doesn't have the experience with it. And some of you guys have the sauce. Do you have the experience with it? Um, There's a lot of things that can get you hurt cutting down trees that still have pressure on them. It, It takes some skill. It takes some knowledge to keep yourself safe in those situations. And if you're injured, you can't do it. What if you're all injured? Not injured bad enough to be in a hospital, but bad enough you can't do it. So having the ability to call for help is a survival tactic. And I think we we get so self-sufficient minded, we forget stuff like that. It's not always going to be the end of the world. A lot of times there's going to be plenty of people that are a lot better off than you just a few miles away that can come in and help from a point of safety.
safety. And being able to get a hold of them is important. And if you are in a bad situation and you want to prove to yourself that you're a badass, but you really shouldn't be messing with that big bed over oak tree because you really don't know what the hell you're doing and you go out there and do it yourself anyway to prove you're a badass, what good are you your family now? Now, I'm not saying if you know what you're doing not to do it. In fact, I say if you know what you're doing, go out and help other people. I'm just saying, if you have a limitation, accept it. With me, it's not trees. I worked for Esplenda as a kid. Uh, for those of you who maybe aren't from the area where they operate, they're one of the br- biggest tree surgery companies in the world. I know how to remove trees. Uh, it was one of my teenage jobs. Climbing up in trees and topping them and, and working with guys that did it every day. So I'll do that. But you know what? When something goes wrong with our electricity, if it's anything more than flipping a switch on my breaker, I ain't touching it. I don't know what I'm doing with high-voltage electricity, and I ain't messing with it because I'm not going to die to try to prove that I'm better than somebody else. That's where I bring in somebody with additional expertise. Know your own limitations. Make it part of your preps. Um, I think another one that gets overlooked is a safe deposit box. <coughs> and uh, we've talked about them a little bit before. I want to talk to you about them in a different light. We've talked about them for storing some cash. We've talked about them for storing some precious metals. Uh, maybe some additional things that you might need if you uh, lose everything at your home or you have to maybe bug out having a bank along the way where you have a safety deposit box where you can keep some additional things, secure location. We've talked about their limitations. If a bank's closed, period, you can't get in the door. Then a bank's closed, period, you can't get in the door. But in most instances, you'll be able to at least get into the vault if you're a customer of the bank and have the key to your safety deposit box, and the bank could burn to the ground, the vault will be standing. It is the most secure location that's available to most civilians. So one thing that maybe should go in there is copies of every single thing that's an important paper in your life. Your will, if you were in the military, how about your discharge, your DD-214? How about you get a notarized copy of that? Put that in your safety deposit box. Copies, notarized copies of birth certificates. Notarized copies of social, you know, additional copies of social security cards. You don't get notarize that. Any document that you make a copy of, that if it got into the wrong hands, could be a bad thing. And you only keep it at home, and in a safe location at home. Maybe if you need a second copy of it, a safety deposit box is the best place for that to go. You can rent safety deposit boxes in most banks, big enough for at least keeping paperwork and some things like that. Maybe a few uh, gold coins, silver coins, maybe a box of ammo. I don't know. You know, 30 bucks a year. Come on, guys. 30 bucks a year. What's it, 225 a month or something like that? To, uh, to make sure that this information that may be the most important thing you'll need to get your hands on in a disaster scenario is available, safe and protected. To make sure that the information, that if somebody got their hands on it nefariously, they could steal your identity, steal your kid's identity, etc., destroy your life. It's probably a really good idea to at least set that level up and make that part of your preps and understand the purpose behind it. Additionally, you should have that information in your home. And under your mattress is not a safe place. In a hole in the floor, unprotected beyond that is not a safe place. In a metal box with a key lock on it is not a safe place. You need a firebox or a fire safe. You need it in your home. And you need those things and a big wad of cash inside it at a minimum. 
Uh, some silver coinage should be nice in there too, and maybe some of your cherished photographs, right? If you have, let's say, a whole bunch of beautiful photographs of your family you want to preserve, put them on CDs and stick them in a firebox. Because they won't seem that important the day the disaster is happening and you're just trying to keep everybody together and safe. But three weeks later, as you're putting your life back together, it may be the biggest thing you've lost. Um, off-site backup for digital material is probably a good idea as well. Maybe we'll do a, one day a whole show on digital security and digital redundancy. But I'm just saying, think about some of the things that would kill you if you lost and make sure that you're preserving them. Evacuation route plans. I, I think so many people are without that, and I, I just don't understand why. I, I really, it, it, It's so absolutely frustrating to me how unwilling people are to just go to Google Maps and map out three or four different ways to get the hell out of Dodge. Three or four ways to get out and end up eventually going east. Three or four ways to map out to get out and eventually end up going west or north or south or what have you and have some idea of where the hell you would go and how the hell you would get out. And some plan to do, like, you guys that live down on the Gulf Coast, where when there's a hurricane evacuation, your ass-clown government, local ass-clown government, blocks off half of the ways out and, and, and funnels everybody through a certain evacuation route because they're idiots, because they won't let you go west. I, it just boggles my mind that they do that. Maybe you guys need trigger points in your evacuation planning that says, you know what? That storm looks like it's coming here. It might not. We're jumping now. We're getting out early. If it doesn't hit, we'll turn around and come back. A two-day mini-vacation never hurt anybody. They don't like that I'm gone from work. I'm sorry. My family's more important than my job when it comes right down to it because I have a job to support my family. They'll get over it. They'll sort it out. And if the storm hits, they'll have bigger problems to worry about than me taking two days off with PTO or what have you. Maybe you need that trigger point, and you need that evac route when that trigger point happens. Please have those plans. Please know how you're going to get out and where you would go and have plans for going to more than one place. Please do that. Um, the next thing is non-prescription medication. Now, I know a lot of people, you got your little first aid kit, and in there you have a little packet of aspirin, a little packet of Tylenol, and stuff like that. You need great big bottles of this stuff. You have no idea how long you may be without support in a real disaster. And... A lot of these things serve double duty. Aspirin is one you gotta have. Get your, I mean, you can buy a giant bottle of aspirin for like 10 bucks. I mean, huge bottle of aspirin. Uh, I think way less than 10 bucks actually. Let's just say it's 10 bucks. Do you know how effective aspirin is used topically when you have like sore uh, muscles or joints that you could actually crush up a few aspirin tablets, mix them with a little bit of water, maybe mix in a little bit of a lotion and put that directly onto your skin? It actually is very, very effective at relieving cramps, sore back, sore muscle, and it's very safe, extremely safe to do. Aspirin is probably the safest, if used within the dosage limitations, the safest medication available to man for anti-inflammatory needs. In fact, I would say it's probably a better bet for most people. If you have stomach ulcers and stuff, there are going to be problems. But for most people, than, than Tylenol or any type of Motrin. 
So make sure you have aspirin. Make sure, and on that note, make sure you have Tylenol and Motrin as well. This is another thing people don't realize. If you're in a situation where a person's in a lot of pain and they're only getting limited effect from, let's say, Tylenol, you can only give them so many Tylenols before you risk killing them. But before you can give them more Tylenol, you could give them also a dosage of a Motrin or Advil type product as well because they're two different drugs. Now, do I think you should be living on those things if you have chronic pain? Hell no. What we're talking about is disaster relief. So make sure you have a good supply of all three of those over-the-counter pain medications. Make sure you have you know, antibiotic ointment, all the other stuff that goes in there. But the other one that I think people leave out is vitamins. Yeah, I don't, and, you know, I know people are into selling all these, you know, nutraceutical discs and, you know, multi-level marketing, that crap or whatever. You know what? Good, solid, dependable vitamins from the store. Multivitamins. They may not be the best for your long-term health maintenance, but get yourself a couple big bottles of them and make them part of your preps. Keeping yourself nourished sufficiently. We're not trying to run the Olympics here, folks. But making sure that you have some level of additional nutritional support in a stressful situation and a great big giant bottle of 500 or 1,000 milligram chewable vitamin C's, at least one big bottle of that, if not three or four. Hugely important, and it's based in the chewable ones are even somewhat of a food supplement because they're basically sweetened usually, and they have some level of caloric intake. And uh, they taste good, so tell your kid it's a piece of candy in a bad situation. And he's getting nourished, he's getting an immune, immune support, and it doesn't taste bad. Uh, another one, and we talk about this on occasion, but I think a lot of people leave it out, is, is, is pet, you know, pet preps. Um, I tell you from very recent experience how important and special your dogs are to you. I know. Mine, mine are to me. My cats are to me. You know, the problem with people that, like, basically, oh, the, the food's low. I'll go get some more at the next time I go shopping is, what if something goes wrong between that and now? It's the same as storing food for yourself. You know, you've got to have some stuff to take care of your animals, including, you know, a good, and I'd say, Pet food's so easy to store if it's dry kibble, stuff like that. A few weeks supply that's part of your get out bag. You know, your good bag. Or your bob. Make sure you have some pet food. Pet medication is the big one, though. That's the one people don't really think about. If your pet's on any kind of medication, routinely or acutely, make sure you have some of it. In our case, um, our remaining dog, Blackie, occasionally gets hip pain. And uh, we have some anti-inflammatory medication. He doesn't need it. He doesn't need it right now, but we have it in case something happens and we're able, unable to get to the vet. And that could be on a Sunday afternoon, he, he's having some pain, and we can't get to the vet till Monday. Why should he have to wait? So it could be that basic, or it could be we've had to get out of Dodge. And now part of what we have to do is to take care of our putty. So make sure you're prepared for your pets, not just for yourself and your kids. The next thing I think people overlook and don't do is drilling. Drilling? What are you drilling? Drilling for oil? Drilling teeth? What are you drilling a hole in a wall? No, drilling is in having a drill. Is in having a practice run? Is it seeing if you're actually ready? Um, I think a lot of people are well prepared, but they never say, well, okay, you know what, let's do this. Let's give ourselves right now 30 minutes, something just happened, and we have to leave within 30 minutes and see where the holes in our plan are. We don't actually have to leave. Let's just get everything together like we're going to leave. 
And then we'll just sit down and evaluate everything that we got into the car or the truck or the trunk or whatever, and we'll just look at it all. And we'll say, where are the holes? And we'll start to figure out how to fill those holes in, and then we'll just put everything back away. That whole process might take an hour and a half. Once every two months, folks. Don't you think you'd like to know now? You know, when I was in the military, we drilled all the time. We would have um, what they would call alerts. And you could be, you know, you could be out at the bar, honestly. And an alert would get sounded, and you got to get back to base. And you would show your ID because everything would get locked down, and you'd get into your your you know your 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 room, and you would and you're in the barracks, and you get all your equipment and your combat gear. You'd show up to formation. You draw a weapon. Sometimes we'd even draw ammunition, and then they'd say, "Stand down." Nothing's going on, and we usually wouldn't know. Whether it was real or whether, you know, it was a drill, we didn't know. Sometimes we knew. Sometimes they'd be like, there's going to be an alert tomorrow, be ready for it. But sometimes it would come clear out of the blue. One time, we got everything together, we lined up the vehicles, um, we got ready to convoy the vehicles out, and our, our first responders all got into our helicopters and actually took off, and we flew in our helicopters for about oh, about 15 miles only, and we turned around and came back and put all the copters back on the flight line, put all the vehicles back. But, you know, we thought the vehicles were going to get on a ship, and the, and the, and the helicopters were going to rendezvous there, refuel and move on, and we were being deployed somewhere in the world, and it always found holes. And it always made us better. I'm not saying you got to go that elaborate, but once in a while, at least check. Shut the, go outside in the dark. Shut off the power. 20 minutes to see how hard it is to find your flashlights, your candles. Have a friend come do it. Give them a give. You know, just say, hey, you know what? Our, our box, especially if your box is on the outside of the house, um, sometime between seven and nine tonight, come by and flip our switch for us. And then just leave. Then it'll be a surprise. You know, and you're not going to lose your food or anything in that situation. Just figure out, you know, if it goes out like that, where's my flashlight? Where's our candles? Where's everything that we need to get by? Where's our portable radio? And pretend the power's out and you don't know when it's coming back. And that 30 minutes or a half hour, you know, 45 minutes, an hour into it, go outside, flip your switch, and go on with life. But at least drill once in a while. Um... Another thing that I think people overlook is what I call a last-minute list. These are things you can't pack or things you should do before you leave the house. Just a little checklist. Grab and include the following items. Things that would be on this list might be things like medicine, maintenance medication that like, has to be refrigerated, like for diabetics. Anything you can't keep pre-packed. And then procedures for leaving the house, like locking the house up, phone calls that you should make, anything that needs to be unplugged if you're going to be gone for an extended period of time. You know the things that you would need to do. Make sure you have a list because you will not be thinking right when you're having to leave your house in a rapid period of time. Um, Here's one that I think really gets overlooked. Garbage bags and plastic sheeting. A garbage bag might be one of the most versatile things in the world in an emergency situation. For everything from water catch to hauling materials to carrying things, there's just so much that can be done with garbage bags. So have an extra box of them, please. Get some plastic tarps or something like that. Have them available to you. 
I mean, these are two way overlooked ones, and we're talking chump change. And, like most of your preps, extra garbage bags are pretty simple to, okay, we ran out of garbage bags, we're going to go buy more garbage bags, we still have some in reserve. Eventually, you're going to use them anyway. They store forever, they ain't going to run out, they ain't going to spoil. Come on, guys, this is one that you really need to make sure that you add. And then... Here's one that when I talk to the media and I talk about this, I always get kind of a comical, you know, huh, really? Reaction. Soap, deodorant, shampoo, toothpaste. Like, see, oh, yeah, okay, so you got like 50 million sticks of the Johnny B show when I did that. Uh, he's like, so you got like a thousand sticks of Right Guard. No, it's like, you know, half a dozen sticks of deodorant and uh, a dozen bottles of shampoo. Put away with the rest of our preps. Why? Um, let's look at a probable scenario. Let's say this H1N1 flu strain actually does turn deadly. I don't think it's going to. I think that we have pandemics to worry about. This ain't the one. But let's say it did. Some mutation happens or whatever. You tinfoil hat guys are right. It's a conspiracy to kill us all and enact it. Whatever. We get locked down uh, due to quarantine for 90 days. You can't really leave your home. You just can't. It's the only way they could contain the spread of some type of deadly outbreak. How do you like to spend, um, you know, family of four, a couple teenage boys, full-grown man and a woman? What's that house going to smell like when the soap runs out and deodorant runs out? How much more propensity is there for disease when hygiene can't be kept up? You know, they're simple things. They cost very little money, but you can't go out and pick them off a tree. And I know there's ways to brush your teeth in the wilderness and take a bath in the wilderness, but folks, let's be real. Let's think about what's most likely to happen and the situations we'll most likely have to be in, and a couple extra bottles of pert and a couple extra sticks of dial on your shelf are cheap, simple, and easy, and there ain't no reason not to do it. But I know a lot of preppers don't have any real additional supply of that stuff. Now, look, I'm not saying have two years' worth of soap on hand, but if you have two years' worth of food, maybe you balance it with two years' worth of soap. I'm not going to two years' worth of food myself. I don't think I need to go that far. A year is plenty. It's more than most people will ever do, and to be fair, it's more than most people will ever ever need. If most people in our country had a 90-day food supply, we could get through 99% of all emergencies without any problems and without anybody looting anybody because they're starving. But you know, make sure we're covering that base. And then the last one. Here's the most practical one I can come up with. And I bet you there's going to be a lot of people that when I say this are going to go, oh, how about an extra set of every single key that you need to get into every single place that you need to get into or start every vehicle that you need to start that exists in a place that's safe and secure that you can get to relatively easy whenever you need to, but you're not dependent on anybody else for. So just because you and your wife both have a set of keys does not create redundancy. There should be a third set of keys somewhere. And where, that's up to you. How you store it, how you protect it. You know, if you put it in a shed inside a biometric box for 50 bucks, or you bury it in a hole in the ground in your backyard, or you give it to a trusted neighbor or friend or whatever, um, you might even want to consider having two extra sets of keys in two different locations. And one of the really easy things that you can do that everybody seems like they used to do and nobody does anymore is getting one of those little magnetic key boxes and having a key for your car 
and, uh, you know, putting that little magnet box somewhere on your vehicle where only you know where it is. And I know people are saying, well, there's a risk if somebody can break in. You know what? Professional car thieves won't look for the key box, folks. They'll bust your window, they'll be in your car, and they'll be gone in under a minute, no matter what kind of theft deterrent system that you have. That's reality. Remember the club, right, on the steering wheel? I remember listening to an interview with a criminal that said he used to steal cars that had the club just to be a prick. Because he said he, could, he had gotten so good with a hacksaw on the club, he could have the club off of your vehicle in a couple seconds. And people say, well, that, that club's hard to cut. And you know what he said? Steering wheel's not. I cut through your steering wheel in about three seconds with a hacksaw. And once I cut through your steering wheel, I just pop the club off, and off I go by whatever other means I have to start your vehicle and go. So I don't think it's that big a risk. Now, I wouldn't put the, you know, I wouldn't tape the key to your roof. Use a little bit of common sense, but being able to get into your vehicle, you know, an emergency is a great time to lock your keys in a vehicle. Even just a bad situation. I had an accident up in New Jersey when I was living in Pennsylvania. Guy, uh, in front of the guy I hit, cut across two lanes of traffic. The guy in front of me slammed the brakes. I hit him. There was just no way to avoid it. And uh, smashed his trunk up pretty good. Did it in front of my truck, but it was drivable. And um, my vehicle was running side of the road. I was worried that I hurt the guy. He ended up being fine. But in my haste, I got out of the vehicle. My elbow pushed down the lock on the truck. And I had my vehicle running with the keys in it. Locked out of the vehicle on the New Jersey Turnpike. And the state cop gets there, and I'm like, yeah, I locked myself out of my car. He's like, yeah, well, you're screwed. And eventually I wasn't, because when a tow truck came, it towed another car that just happened to get in a wreck while we were sitting there. Because uh, both of our vehicles were drivable, and there, the same thing happened. The cops, it, literally, folks, this is great. Cop says, what happened? I tell the story, the guy says, yeah, that's what happened. It did. He hit me from behind, but um, I don't think he could. And, and the cop goes, so let me see what happened. And we hear this, smash, about 50 yards up the road. And I, I said, there, that's what happened right there. You just saw a reenactment. And he ran down to take care of it. So they bring in a tow truck um, to, to help out uh, the guy that was in that wreck. And the guy on the tow truck, this little uh, little Hispanic guy, comes, looks at my truck and goes, no problem. And he brings this thing over and it pries the door open. He sticks a stick in, bam, had me in my car in a couple seconds. Well, that's how quick people can break into your car. But unless you are prepared to do that for yourself, that extra key might get you out of a disaster or just a crabby situation stuck on the highway. So consider doing that. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up today's show. I hope this one was different, a little bit energized for you. I know I was probably flat yesterday. Uh, not going to lie to you, there's still a, uh, a hole in our lives. But um, this is about going on. That's what everything we talk about, improving your life with your own personal attitude. So I'll try to be a good example of that for you guys. Hopefully I've got you energized. Hopefully I've got you thinking about your preparations a little bit differently today. Hopefully I've given you at least one thing that you go, holy crap, why don't I have that? And you're going to go out and you're going to fill that hole this week. That would really make my day to know that some people are doing that this week because I took the time to give you this show. Uh, and with that, tune in tomorrow. I'm going to have a completely different show on a completely different subject and hopefully I'll be able to make it as good as uh, you guys have helped me been making this show uh, going on and on and this has been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't you can scream and you can holler and really die
doesn't matter Cause it all gets spent 